Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Blossoming Minds podcast. My name is Spencer, and my pronouns are they, them. I'm really happy to be here for the second episode of our second season. Today, we'll be talking about the mental health within immigrant communities, and I'm here with my wonderful team of Thomas, Geetha, Preet, and Melody. Hi, my name is Thomas. I use they, them pronouns. And in the late 70s, my mom came to the United States um, when she was 17 years old because she fled a civil war in Lebanon. Hi, my name's Preet. My pronouns are she, her. Um, I am from India and I came to the U.S. when I was six with my mom um, so we could be with my dad who came to the U.S. a couple of years before us. Hi, my name is Geetha, and I was adopted in India when I was four months old. And then my mom and I came to this country, um, or the United States, when I was two years old. I will also be sharing um, some experiences from my mom's immigration story. And she came to America when she was in her late teens. Hello, everybody. My name is Melody and my pronouns are she, her. I am originally from Burma, and I came to America when I was 13, and I will be talking about my experiences living as an immigrant away from her parents. Thank you so much, everybody, for sharing that brief kind of explanation with us all. I just want to start off today's episode with a quick content warning. Today, we'll be talking about depression, racism. We'll be talking a lot about trauma, specifically with immigration trauma. We'll also be talking a lot about discussions about being undocumented and how that can be for some people, as well as some separation anxiety. So if you feel uncomfortable with that, now would be a great time to stop listening. Uh, If you are, then welcome to the rest of the podcast. So today we're going to be talking again about the mental health within immigration communities. So we're going to go ahead and pass it off to Tommy, who will be discussing a lot about diaspora. Yeah, so I just wanted to get into what the term diaspora means before we get started. Um, I know that all of us are probably going to be using that word. Uh, So a diaspora is a scattered population whose origin lies in a separate geographic location than their country of origin. So uh, essentially what that means is if you have to flee your country, you are a part of a diaspora. There are a lot of reasons why people become a part of a diaspora. It can be something as simple as they want to study or work um, overseas, or as something as uh, deadly as poverty, uh, violence, political unrest, war, natural disasters, or other really uh, serious circumstances. Thank you so much, Tommy, for sharing that with us. That is going to be a very important part of our podcast today. And now I'm going to go ahead and pass it over to Geetha, who will help us kind of with some definitions on assimilation. Yeah, thank you so, so much, Spencer. Like Tommy was talking about diasporas in relationship to, you know, some of the reasons why people come to this country. When people come to America, a big experience that they go through is um, called cultural assimilation, which is essentially something that occurs when an ethnic minority sacrifices its own culture to integrate themselves into society today. So, Basically, you know, when immigrations come, or not immigrations, when when immigrants come to America, um, a lot of times people feel forced to transition into Western ideology, Western culture, and that is very much what cultural assimilation talks about. Yeah, definitely. I know uh, a lot of people have like kind of post-diaspora lives, so it's like no matter how much you assimilate, you may never actually fully be a part of this country. Um, So then, you know, kind of 
working through immigrants, children being stuck between two cultures, which I know is a really kind of important piece of y'all's upbringing, especially having immigrant parents. That can be a pretty tough situation. Is that correct? I personally would definitely agree with that statement. I would also agree with that statement because I know like coming here when I was six, like a lot of it was me assimilating to this culture just because I was still young and I didn't know English like at all. And so I would remember like even being in my classes, like I wouldn't really know how to communicate with anyone. And so I really didn't know the culture and I was still young. So I barely even knew my own culture. Yeah, absolutely. I I imagine not understanding your own culture, especially where you came from, must be a very difficult thing to deal with, um, especially because of how strong culture is within like your family. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, when I came to this country, I was two years old, so I was really, really little. So I think because of that, I, I never really knew anything but the quote unquote American culture, um, just because I, I was born, even though I was born in India, I was raised very much as a quintessential American girl, as my mom says all the time. Um, and so I think for me, when it came to assimilation, it was something that was very intuitive and something that just naturally happened. Um, I think for me personally, the the turmoil started when I started to, to talk with other people who were also immigrants from India or um, people who were Indian but were even born in this country. And you know, you kind of get into to some conversations about like, oh, what does it mean to be Indian or how do I fit into my culture when you are in America? And that can be, that was a really stressful experience just because I personally still to this day sometimes do not feel like I am quote unquote Indian enough, which like definitely is not a reality, right? There's no such thing as being Indian enough or Western enough. It's just your identities, you know, and you get to choose how you portray them. But that was definitely a huge thing that that impacted me growing up. Uh, I think it's also kind of to go off what Geetha was saying about uh, different forms of assimilation. I think that's really important that we also discuss forced assimilation. Um, so essentially what that means is when immigrants are forced to assimilate uh, to preserve their emotional and or physical safety. Uh, when my mom came to the U.S. in the late 70s, um, a really big event on the news was that multiple Marines were killed in Lebanon. Uh, so Lebanon was not in was not shown in a positive light in the American eye. Uh, so when she came here, she actually didn't tell people that she was Lebanese because she was worried about what um, they would say, especially because when she came here, she entered in her senior year of high school. So she was really, really worried about uh, ridicule and possible backlash from her peers. Yeah, I know part of <clears throat> the assimilation versus like forced assimilation is like, you know, trying to work on speaking like your native language in public and also kind of even just like some something so simple as in like the food that you eat. So like, you know, a lot of I know a lot of immigrant families tend to have, you know, they cook the native food that they have always known how to cook at home versus whenever your friends come over, it's like a very big difference. 
Yeah, no, I definitely agree, especially just, like, how you brought up the idea of, like, food, just because I remember, like, so when I came here, like, my I came with my mom, and so, like, my mom also didn't know a lot of English, and she would only make me Indian food to, like, take with me, and it's, like, I loved eating my mom's cooking, but I remember, like, when I would bring my lunch with me, like, I would always get these weird looks, and I would always have people be, like, oh, what are you eating? Like, that smells really bad, or it doesn't look good. And it literally got to the point that I just told my mom to stop packing me my lunch because I was like, I would rather eat like the shitty cafeteria food than like my mom's own cooking just because I was so embarrassed by my own culture. And I know in my family, like it, this was like we came to the U.S. like a couple, like two, three years after 2009-11. And for like that was just a really scary experience because I remember this one time uh, my dad was filling up the gas and I was in the car with him and this person came up to us and my dad is Sikh so he wears a turban and this person came up to us and was basically saying he was like oh you need to go back to your country like you're a terrorist like this is all your fault and I remember being six and like not really sure about what this person was saying and because like he was like oh yeah like you're not even a citizen and my dad was a citizen so I like was like but we are citizens like we are legally here like we belong here but it was like that was my first exposure to people telling me that this was not my country as well and like that just translated for me not knowing where I fit in because at home I would always be pushed to being like oh yeah like you're Indian like we're only gonna speak Punjabi and like my parents really wanted us to like also be connected to our Indian culture but then also I was the only Indian girl in my neighborhood and my school up until college and so it was really hard for me to like also showcase that at school just because it was almost like I always felt ashamed that I was different. Preet, you know, thank you so much for sharing that story. I know these things can be really, really hard to talk about. And I know that you are not the only person who's had that experience. So, you know, I know you just validated so many people on this planet. So thank you so much for doing that. Um, I'm really sorry to hear that that was an experience that you went through because it's so traumatic, you know, like to be on a street and or like at a gas station and to have someone literally be like, hey, you don't belong here. That's really, really scary. Um, So again, thank you so much for sharing that. I just wanted to bounce off of you because I've had similar experiences where um, not to the extreme of of what happened with you. And I'm actually not even talking about someone coming up to me and telling me that I don't belong here. It's more what you were talking about where you just kind of felt embarrassed of your culture at some point. When I was really little, my grandma was teaching me my prayers and it was like a really important thing for her. And it was really important to me too, in a lot of ways, just because, you know, it was one a time to connect with my culture. And then also it was a time for me to, to be with my grandma. You know, I had a really strong connection with my grandma when I was a kid. Um, and then when people would come over to spend the night at my house or when I had other things going on or I had school or someone who wasn't my immediate family was in my home, you know, whenever it was time for me to say my prayers with my grandma because we did it at a very regular time every single night it got to the point where like I would be like no I'm not doing that why would I why would I say my prayers I don't know what that is and so it really got to the point where I would just like reject my culture because I was like no one says prayers like the prayers that I say people aren't even going to understand them I don't want to do that 
Um, and so it was definitely like a really tricky thing to navigate just because I would have friends come over and it would be like, oh, you know, like I really want to do this like for my religion and just to be connected with my culture and my community. But I don't feel comfortable doing that. And that was that was just kind of scary. Yeah, thank you both so much for sharing this with us. Um, if going back to the first thing you said, Geetha, about validating those around us. The biggest thing that we want to bring to light in this episode here is that, you know, we want to show all those people who may not have anybody around to either talk to about this or to deal with this with anybody or if they don't have any support. We just want to show that, you know, we are here to support you. We are here as a, a safe space for you. You know, we want to offer that safe space for anybody who out there who just feels alone in their situation. This is what we're here for. Um, Melody, I know that you probably have a little bit of a different situation than most of the other people have shared so far. Uh, would you mind sharing any about anything about that with us? Yeah, of course. Um, so basically, I came here when I was 13. So like I had a pretty good understanding of who I am and where I'm from. And before I came here, I pretty much knew that we we're going to move considering that my mom's side of the family most of them are already in America, so we have a pretty good base and background to just settle whenever we wanted to. So it wasn't really a big of a problem. I think one of the things that affected me the most wasn't really like the culture shock or just, you know, being around like Americans, considering that I was already exposed to like some of the culture uh, with like the family calls and like chats that we had um between my mom and her sisters and her brother I think it was mostly just I didn't really expect to be apart from my parents uh when I moved here um yeah like that was kind of like you know it it was kind of hard to actually just be in America with like my aunt that I haven't really met and like be familiar or sorry words are hard honestly it's it's totally fair i know that this is a really hard thing to talk about especially um you know it's i imagine that was been a really tough situation kind of almost being with a stranger family but you're like but you are my family and so it must have been very difficult so thank you so much for sharing that with us i really really appreciate that it's amazing how assimilation versus divorce assimilation can really have an impact on people and having kind of that almost embarrassment factor must be extremely difficult. And for me, I have literally no way of understanding any of that. And I'm just grateful to be here with all of you to hear those experiences and kind of share that moment with you. Cause I know that must be very important. And it's almost like having an identity crisis in public all the time just because you're basically just masking yourself all the time at every moment. You know, Spencer, since you brought up this concept of masking yourself, I just wanted to throw in, you know, I personally am an undocumented, or not anymore, but I grew up as an undocumented immigrant. You know, I, I came to this country legally and I came here with papers, um, but my situation was just kind of tricky. And so it resulted in me being undocumented for most of most of my um like formative years and into my my late teens um and you know i 
it's so interesting because whenever I talk with my mom about this, I'm always like, you know, for some reason, as a kid, I never really thought much about it. It was never something that was a big deal to me. I was just like running around being a kid. But when I kind of reflect on that experience when I'm older, like today, I I look back and I was like, you know, that experience did really impact you because being undocumented means so many different things. You know, not having papers and is is just something that the U.S. is literally saying, hey, you don't belong here, to me anyways, as, as like a child um, growing up. And so when I was thinking about this, when I got papers, I was like, wow, I went through my entire childhood literally with proof in my hands being like, you are not a person who belongs here. You don't have the right paperwork. And it's so interesting because now I can think about that and reflect and say, hey, you know, just because you didn't have papers doesn't mean you didn't belong here because um, now I, I have the skills to do that. But that is that in and of itself is something that I know a lot of undocumented immigrations probably feel because it's literally the government being like, hey, why are you here? What are you doing here? And that in and of itself is so difficult because going back to what Tommy was saying earlier, people come here for so many different reasons. You know, I came here with my mom because my family lives here. You know, I came here to to be with my extended family, et cetera. But I know a lot of people come here because they have to. You know, they're fleeing really violent situations. They're in the process of... Um, fleeing from like domestic abuse perhaps or they're coming here because a family member here is sick and they have to be there for them you know etc there's so many reasons right and the fact that a piece of paper can tell you your identity is just to me really scary and not okay um and and yeah you know for those of you who who are listening to this and you might be undocumented know that you're not alone and that you are so valid for being here and you know I I know you all might not all know me but I welcome you with open arms and I'm so so happy that that you're here in this country thank you for sharing that experience Gita like fortunately for me like I was never undocumented but I remember I do I did have family members that were undocumented and I remember something that my mom told me she always told me she was like make sure that you never talk about this like outside of like home like make sure you never tell anyone that like your uncle is undocumented or so and so is undocumented and this was also when when I was very young and I like didn't fully understand what undocumented meant but at like it was still like ingrained in my head that this is something that's bad or like or it was like it was told to me that it was bad like it's not but it was like it was something that was like you can get in trouble for that and I remember like I would always have to be careful and I would always have to make sure that like no one ever knew and so it's like thank you for really sharing that experience and I like know how scary can be and like as Gita said like anyone who is undocumented like you have every right to be here it truly is like a really scary experience, I imagine, for any person being undocumented, especially with how kind of crazy everything is right nowadays, especially. Um, so I imagine that must be very difficult, especially with COVID and crazy politics and everything like that. So thank you both for sharing that with, with us today. Um, I know all of your stories are very inspirational, and I really appreciate everybody being here to share those with me today. I want to go ahead and pass it off to Melody to kind of work on defining some de-individuation and kind of what that means with 
uh, immigrant communities. Yeah, absolutely. So basically, the 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 whole general like um, kind of like boiling it down, deindividuation, de- <laughs> the word that is very hard to pronounce, is basically a loss of identity or like acting to be part of the group. Um, the absolute or not the absolute, but like the way the psychologists really define deindividuation is um, it is referred to a state in which people act differently than they normally would because they are part of a group. So for me personally, as um, as an immigrant coming here, like the way I would behave around my friends versus my family would be entirely different. Um, considering that, you know, I want to be part of where I am and like I want to belong there. But also just the feeling of I also want to show who I am is also kind of really strong but you can't really do that like as a teen growing up um it's just kind of like hey like you either be american or you either be burmese um and even at home it's just always like hey like like if i show my interest in liking like american food and my family would be like why don't you like try to be more burmese so like it's two like strong forces trying to like pull me into their um like their little like norms and like their bubble and being stuck there for like the longest time it was a kind of a terrible experience melody brings up a really good point especially when she mentioned it was like either like be american or be burmese and i know that was like something that was very common for me because it was like when i was at school i would always feel like i wasn't american enough and i would really try my hardest to like fit in but it was like sometimes it'd be like i wouldn't know like certain movies or certain shows or i wouldn't have certain experiences that other um, kids my age did and then I remember I would go home and but then it was like my parents would tell me they'd be like you're too American like you're not Indian enough like you're not connected to your Indian roots enough and I always felt like no matter what I did like I didn't fit into either group um, and I was like that's why I was like thank you for bringing that up Melody because I think that's something that a lot of people like immigrant um, children can relate to is like you're always trying to find your place but it's like no matter which community you go to you always seem like you're never enough and like I remember like this one time like I was talking to my cousin and my cousin was telling me and he was like oh yeah like if you ever go to India like they're gonna look at you differently because you're too American for them and I didn't like understand like why because I was like I'm Indian like I'm part of this family I'm part of this community and yet it was still like even if you do go back to like where you came from like you're not gonna fit in yeah like like Preet said like going back home and like going back to Burma after like two years of being in America and like seeing the changes that you know I was growing up with and like going back home like I was kind of inclined to speak more in English than in Burmese and that was only like two years different between like coming here and like leaving my country like that's a drastic difference that now I'm looking back it's just kind of like when I went back there I felt like I didn't belong anymore even though it's only been like very short amount of time that I've like moved here. I imagine that's probably very difficult for everybody to be dealing with. Um, I know it's it's very difficult and very strange the fact that people have such very almost aggressive behavior towards that saying that you're like not american enough or not indian not burmese enough so i'm sorry that y'all had to deal with that i must i know it must have been very difficult 
Um, the idea of, I actually wanted to touch on the fact of, or the idea of not being quote unquote American enough or um, how immigrants are essentially told that they shouldn't be here. I always, I always found that logic extremely flawed for a lot of reasons, but the main reason is, you know, a lot of the people that say that were born in the United States and they have done absolutely nothing to earn their citizenship. You know, they were just born into a lucky situation where they just so happened to be born an American citizen. And I think it's really, it's really foolish and really selfish to want to not have people from other cultures or other countries in the United States because of that reason. Yeah, you know, Tommy, I really agree with every single thing you just said. Um, kind of going off of that to, to expand a little bit on what my mom used to tell me when I was a kid, um, just about her experience, you know, for her, when she came to this country, she was in her, her late teens, um, and she came with my grandma and her two sisters. Um, and when she got here, she lived in a, a city on the peninsula called Burlingame. And she always used to tell me that, you know, when she was here, it was, she was the first person of color. Her and in my family, the rest of my family who immigrated here at that time, they were the very first people of color. And, you know, she used to tell me a lot about not really knowing how to, to fit in all the time. She was like, you know, I, I look different than everybody else. I, I don't belong. Um and that really forced her to just, you know, really deal with it, put on a happy face and be like, you know what, I just need to figure it out and I need to start to assimilate as soon as humanly possible. And, you know, it's so interesting because that in and of itself kind of, it, it arose in her parenting too. And so for me, a lot of the time, it was, it's very much an ideal of like, you know what, it's really, really important to be happy. It's really, really important to just look at your situation, regardless of what it is, and just put a smile on your face. And, you know, that can really be scary for some people and it can it can impact people in, in a lot of different kinds of ways. And, you know, this is not to, to say anything badly about my mom. I think every single person is a work in progress. And, you know, we're all trying our very, very best and doing the very best to, to learn and figure things out. Um, but I think for me, what that told me was, you know, regardless of who I am, regardless of how I feel, regardless of whether or not I feel like I fit in or not, you know, it's important just to put on that smile. It's important to just figure it out and to to acclimate as soon as humanly possible, which is, is really daunting and jarring in so, so many ways. So I know that for a lot of second generation individuals, you know, they might have experienced that because that's how their parents learned how to survive. It's a survival thing, right? And you know, just know that whatever feelings you have around immigration, they're so, so valid and so important to bring to the forefront. And if you need to talk, to, to please feel free to talk about it. Um, but I know that that was definitely an experience for me, which is, it was just something that was really jarring and scary and hard to navigate. 
just because I didn't know what I should actually feel, you know? So it's very much just this whole modge podge of like being in a family and being like, you know what? We are here. We all have to figure this out together and this is the way to do it. It's really amazing how just between generations, those type of things still kind of correspond together, you know? And it's almost, you know, how trauma can last through generations it's like you know even things that your parent your parents were taught as kids then they pass on to you and it's, it's not even just like teaching it's not even just you know the way that you live your life it's like everything you know those things pass on between each other I think a really good point that Gita brought up was like how for um, families and their children, they have this like trying to figure it out together. And I think it also just like goes into like the um, parent child dynamic that a lot of um, immigrant families have where I know for me personally, like when I came here, like I didn't know the language, but like neither did my parents. But for me, like, because I went to school and luckily for me, like, I had a tutor who was this really sweet lady who used to live in her car, um, but she would always take time out of her day to, like, help me learn the language. And I remember, like, I then that caused me to be the sole person in my family that would then... Um, like talk about bills, talk about like legal documents, like have my parents communicate with like doctors or anything that they needed to do. Like I was the person that needed, that was in charge of like having being that translator. And I know because of that, like I got exposed to a lot of our family's struggles at a very young age. And I know that for me, it was like, it had impacted my mental health in a really severe way. Maybe like that brings to my another point is like, for our families, like immigrant families, they don't always have the luxury of thinking about their mental health, especially when they first come to this country, because um, it's like they're still trying to like, like we talked about assimilation, they're still trying to assimilate to the culture, they're still trying to figure out where they belong. So they can't really sit down and being like, okay, like, how is my mental health doing? How is the mental health of my children doing? Because they're trying to find jobs and they're trying to find ways to provide for themselves and provide for their families because they came here for like specific reasons. They came here for resources and opportunities that they couldn't get elsewhere. They came here for the freedom that they didn't have elsewhere. And so it's like, you're not always in a place where you can openly think about mental health. Pre, it's actually really interesting and also really important that you bring up about how you know, a lot of immigrants' mental health and the maintenance of their mental health is not really at the forefront of their thinking because of their situations. And I feel like that's especially prevalent in uh, immigrants that flee their countries. Um, you know, like when my mom was in Lebanon, she would wake up in the middle of the night covered in glass because they were dropping bombs nearby her apartment and all of her windows would shatter. Um, you know, when things like that are happening, maintaining your mental health is not is not at the forefront of your mind like survival is um so every single person in on the lebanese side of my family um, definitely had to put their mental health way 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 on a back burner uh, just in order to survive because that is really all that you can think about at the time you you don't have any bandwidth or any brain power to really think about anything else having that experience for your mom being like literally just waking up covered in glass like that's a very it has to be a very traumatic experience i'm very sorry that she had to be dealing with that but that's honestly just sounds terrifying in my mind so it really goes to show just kind of how 
insane that can truly be and it, it really is like rough you know dealing with how mental health is kind of perceived in these immigrant families because like you like you both said you know you're relying so strongly on survival you're just trying to work on you know gaining resources trying to you know feed your families and just like live your lives and it's amazing how much you know there's like no treatments or like how mental health is like non-existent essentially so it's like you know neither parents nor children can see any signs of it you know it's not typically talked about in other countries there's often like a lot of misunderstandings about mental health in other countries especially like regarding heavily religious countries you know religious practices can have a really big influence on that you know pray you have like a mental illness that's like a punishment for something that you did it's like you have sin karma all these different things they're just very external they're not necessarily like the internal issues that we kind of see and try to understand like here in the united states um one thing that i want to talk about that spencer talked about was like how neither parents nor um or like how they don't see like the um signs of their own mental health or like also like effects of that in their children and it reminds me of the story that my mom was telling me so my mom grew up in a neighborhood there where there was a lot of gang activity and so she would tell me like people coming in like these big jeeps and stuff with guns and shooting everywhere was something that was really common while she was growing up and one of those stories was like how her and her little brother like went to like this market to get something um but then all of a sudden they encountered these jeeps where people were like shooting everywhere but luckily like um this lady that knew their mom like grabbed the two kids and she hid them with her and I remember like when my mom's talking about it it almost she's almost talking about it as if it's like someone else's experience and like it was super traumatic for her but I think she like to this day like she's just not really able to recognize exactly how traumatic that was for her and I think a lot of it does also have to do with like if you come from like a place where there isn't a lot of education on mental health um, it almost it seems as if it's like non-existent and you almost start to like not even recognize situations that like that we recognize are very traumatic because we grew up in an environment like for me I grew up in an environment where mental health is now talked about a lot more and I'm learning about mental health on my own through like my friends but it was like that was not like I mentioned earlier like that's not the luxury that our families had and so they weren't always like able to like recognize like hey maybe like these situations like these like weren't okay because for them or like at least for my mom like these things were common and these things was something that like she experienced but so did her family so did like the people in her neighborhood to the point that it wasn't even seen as something that was like actually like okay like this can actually affect my mental health it was just something like this is what I'm living with like that's what that was it it's almost like a really heavy version of like dissociation it's like it's literally so traumatic to a point and it's been pushed back so far that they don't even like associate it as themselves anymore at that point it's just a very distant memory that they talk about but it doesn't really seem to hit them in the same way if it had happened more recently or more personally to them almost it's a very strange concept honestly melody how was some of your experience with like your family having since you came to the u.s much at, a, at an older age and also you know you were staying with a family who was already here for a while how was your experience kind of with how mental health was perceived within like your family i think with my entire family being medical doctors and PhDs, they kind of view mental health just kind of like 
something that they don't really consider is a problem or an issue or like something that they should consider as like a general well-being of a person um and also being like them being religious it like plays a huge factor in them deciding that hey mental health is something that does with um goes along with being part of the religion and like what you did in the past reincarnations of yourself and all that beautiful wonderful stuff about religion um i think like me being in america and like me being around like family of like highly educated people um like you one would consider that like we would be more educated in mental health but like that's not really a thing um i think whenever i try to bring up like something about like depression or anxiety or they just kind of assume it was more like hey you're not sleeping enough you're playing too much games you're on your phone too much and like you know those external factors and not like how you're feeling internally so that was like mental health was a topic that is not talked about like even with my cousins now like they're doctors like one of my cousins is like graduating soon and she's doing her PhD program like very soon we still don't talk about mental health because we kind of like don't believe in like mental health being something that you should take care of and like put it in the forefront and not just think of it as like a like a secondhand factor you know Thank you for sharing that, Melody. Like, that reminds me of, like, how, um, for me, like, my family, um, because it's, like, I feel like now, like, like, we are lucky enough where we are actually able to, like, reflect on our mental health, but having that, like, talking about that topic with our families is always really difficult just because they don't come from an environment where mental health is talked about a lot. And like, I know for like my family, like my family is very, very religious. And um, when I told my mom and I was like, yeah, you know, like I've been diagnosed with depression. I've been diagnosed with anxiety, like something that she told me, she was like, you're too young to have stuff like that happen to you. And also it was like seen as like, if something like that was like, like happened to you it was like oh yeah like it was not like necessarily a punishment from god but it was like it kind of came into like karma or like someone giving us the bad eye because it wasn't like okay this is something that like came from our experiences this is something that was like in our biology it was like external factors is what is causing this and like I'm like even now like when I do like I go to therapy or like I take medication and like just last night I was telling my mom about how I need to like find a new therapist and I was taking my medication and she was like you're just 20 like you why are you taking all of these medications like you don't need it and I was like I was trying to have that conversation with her where I was like no like I do need it like depression is a very real thing and it is something that I struggle with but I think it's like it's always really hard communicating that with your parents Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that, Preet. You know, this conversation is really getting into the direction of cultural relativism. And I feel like in a lot of cultures, you know, when we talk about mental health, it's always this like huge, giant, extreme thing when, you know, in reality, every single individual experiences mental health in some way, shape or form. You know, every single person has mental health. And so I think there's a lot of discrepancies, you know, with what is like a disorder versus, 
you know, I'm having a bad few days, you know, and I think that is a big reason as to why, you know, people who don't have a huge understanding of Western mental health, which is why particularly it's probably so much more difficult for immigrants to, to really understand, like, you know, I am really, really genuinely struggling every single day. This is not like a random, like, oh, I'm sad. You're blowing this out of proportions. You know, like I'm genuinely, I feel so down to the point where it is debilitating. Um, so thank you so much for sharing that. I appreciate all of you sharing this as well with me and with all of us listening here today. Um, I know it must be a very difficult thing to deal with, especially pre talking about how like your mom will literally say like, why are you taking these medications or like Melody, how religion has such a large impact on how you even think about mental health. And it's, it just is so difficult, especially because like, you know, laziness can be such a really big target, you know, I'd say, because like a lot of times, you know, parents will blame the children as being lazy or causing having technology be a cause for these like different things or like you know some like first generation families like we've talked about who don't have the capacity for even thinking about mental health so their priorities being food or survival or jobs or bills and it's also another thing we need to also consider is how being undocumented can cause even further strain on that so you know trying to go through legal processes parents trying to hide from reality of that or you know causing strain on the mental health of the children just because of that fact and also how like the children can typically end up in a much kind of stronger role in the family at such an early age I think like one point that I do want to bring up and I feel like some of our listeners might actually also relate to this is sometimes it's hard talking about your own struggles with your family just because you almost feel guilty because it's like your family's made a lot of sacrifices especially like moving to a new country trying to find themselves in this new culture um it was just like I know like for me like when I would get bullied in school or if I had like some of my own struggles or like even with my mental health stuff like I was always hesitant to tell my family because it was almost like like my struggles weren't enough like they weren't not they weren't anything compared to like the struggles and that my parents or like the sacrifices that my parents made for me and I think that's like I know like even when I'm talking um, to other people who are also like children of immigrants like that's a conversation that almost all of us really relate to is like it's always hard like trying to like find that balance between trying to be like happy and trying to like find yourself and your own identity. But like, especially if you have that parent child dynamic where you are the person that your parents like go to when they need help with like legal stuff, with jobs, bills, anything like that. It's like, you're also like someone you're responsible for your family in some way. And so it's like, you also don't want to like burden them with your own struggles on top of that, because you don't want it to make it seem like, Oh yeah. Like, now like your parents came here to give you a better life but then it's like you feel guilty talking about it when you are struggling because it's like that's not like like they want you to be happy and they want you to have the opportunities and those resources and it's like when that's not really working out like you don't want to talk to them because you don't want them to also feel bad yeah like Preet said about parental sacrifices and all that jazz um I think like part of me not wanting to talk about mental health of my my family is also the same um like, similar experience with, like, them coming here to make a better, like, future for me and, like, me not having a great time here. 
and just like not being able to bring it up because if I bring it up they're going to be sad and they're going to be sad and that means I'm going to be sad so just a whole cycle of like oh how are you gonna like fix this if your parents are not gonna like what you say versus like you have to fix it because you need to get better and like being better means that your parents will be more like pleased with your or pleased with you and like your whole experiences of being here and like another point that I want to like shortly bring it up is that like sometimes if you're in like a highly religious family or like your family believes in religion like you know as like their everyday thing is that like when they see mental health issues like coming up they just think that like oh you did that to yourself and not because like there are other factors affecting you and you know like having that as like a back background like playing in my head it just not really healthy. Um, I really appreciate y'all talking about, um, you know, speaking to your families about any mental health issues you may have and how they respond. Um, specifically for my family, um, I really think that mental dysfunction has almost become ingrained in my family's lives, um, just surely because of trauma. Uh, so for example, when I was in middle school, I started having really bad panic attacks. And, you know, I went to my mom and I was like, oh my gosh, like today at school, my heart was racing. I was sweating. I felt like I was going to die. Like I was dizzy. And she was like, oh, that happens. And I was like, oh, oh re- really? It does? And she's like, oh, that happens to me all the time. And she's like, oh yeah, it's normal. And I was like, oh, okay, like, I guess that's a normal thing. And it wasn't until high school when I started talking to more people about it that they were like, no, that that's anxiety. Like, you have very severe anxiety. And everyone in my family has felt that to some degree. And I just think it's really interesting how some form of, of poor mental health just kind of becomes a baseline and becomes a norm in families. And it's just seen as something that happens and that there's no fix for it. And it's just something that you have to deal with. It's amazing how even just something small like a panic attack or I guess larger panic attacks, you know, on a daily basis, like Tommy's kind of talked about, it's it's still coming back to that whole same concept of generational trauma. You know, your your parents never thought about having panic attacks all the time and they were just like, oh, that's normal. That's regular. And then just totally, you know, invalidating your feelings and what you were dealing with at that time. And, you know, that was probably passed on to them from previous generations, just, again, dealing with those stresses of everyday life. And so I just want to really make sure that we reiterate just the fact that if you are dealing with something like this or if you are dealing with strong mental health as somebody who is, you know, a child of an immigrant or in an immigrant family, uh, please feel free to reach out to us. Our email is blossoming.mind.edu at gmail.com. Please feel free to send us any sort of comments, questions. Uh, feel free. We have a little form on our website to contact us. It's blossomingmindsedu.org. We are always happy to take suggestions. We're on Instagram, blossoming underscore minds underscore, as well as Facebook and LinkedIn. So please go ahead and check us out. Again, we are very happy to receive any sort of messages, comments, questions. We will be happy to reply to those. I just want to share a couple of resources that we've brought together for today. Some of those include like psychology today. They have a function or a part of their website is that they can help find therapists, psychologists, just people in general 
and you can filter by different things like languages, ethnicities, religious practices, as well as insurance. Um, so they have all those different options there. I also want to highlight the USCIS.gov, uh, immigrationsupport.com, the Department for Social Services, especially for undocumented folks. Uh, also NAMI.org. Uh, there's also like take a mental health test. So on Mental Health America. So I want to appreciate everybody for being out here with me today. Thank you, Geetha. Thank you, Preet. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you, Melody, for all of you sharing your personal experiences with me today, as well as all of our listeners. You are all very inspirational to listen to, and it's very, it kind of brings a little soft spot in my heart for all of y'all, because I know it must have been very difficult for all of you growing up, especially just kind of either not understanding or understanding, but not being able to kind of do anything about it. Uh, do y'all have anything else that you want to share with me at all today? I just want to quickly say that to any Burmese communities out there who wants to reach out to me, um, reach out through Blossoming Minds email. And if you just point out that you would like to speak to Melody about any experiences, I will be happy to answer to you all um, in any way, shape, or form that I can help. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that, Melody. I totally agree. Likewise, if you ever want to talk to, to me about being undocumented or in, being in a first-gen immigrant, second-gen immigrant, I am here for any and all of those conversations. Um, the one thing that I did just want to say, thank you so much, Spencer, for creating such a safe space for us to talk about. Not very easy talk topics. Um, and, you know, it really goes to show you as a podcast producer and just host so thank you again so much for creating such a safe environment you're so so appreciated echoing what like melody and gita said yes thank you so much for giving us the space to talk about our experiences spencer we really appreciate it and also to our listeners i would just like to say i really hope that listening to all of our stories have made you feel a little less alone and have made you feel like there are people out there who have gone through experiences like yours and there are people out there who understand and like melody said like if either of you ever want to like just talk to someone um like you can always reach out to us we're always welcome to hearing your experiences, listening to you, and offer any advice that we possibly can. First off, I gotta say thanks, everybody. I appreciate all of the love and support. Um, I'm always just really happy to be offering this space for everybody, as well as just opening it up to all of our listeners. I hope at least one person can be listening to this and be moved and be changed by this. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening with me today. Thank you, everybody, for talking with me today, and we will be seeing you next time.